Andrea Merriman and her entrepreneur husband, Sean, were living the American dream. We were able to travel. We had nice cars. We had a great marriage, happy family, and we were on track for forever. Sean was very, very smart on his feet, and he was ambitious. He made sure everybody had even more than they wanted. But behind the Merriman's ritzy lifestyle was a devastating secret. It was like a bomb in our family, in our life, in our marriage that was ticking away. And the truth would leave their world in shambles. Andrea's whole life fell apart. It was shocking to all of us. It was a huge story because of the devastating results it had on so many people's lives. When it comes to love and marriage, things aren't always as they seem. Andrea Merriman always knew that money couldn't buy happiness. I grew up in a um, very financially prosperous but down-to-earth family. And I remember as a teenager when my dad died unexpectedly in a plane crash, and I saw his Mercedes sitting in the driveway, and it hit me clearly, wow, this life really isn't about money, and you can't take it with you. But even though she wasn't focused on material things, Andrea was practical and wise beyond her 20 years when it came to love. I remember when I was a teenager making out a list of what I would want someday in my future husband. The three most important qualities for me would have been faith, their ability to provide for myself and my future family, and then how they treated me. So in the fall of 1988, when most of her female peers at Brigham Young University were chasing handsome athletes, Andrea was looking for a man with more enduring qualities. And she found them in a fellow student named Sean Merriman. Sean was a very, very nice, honest guy. And I realized the more I talked to him how very intelligent he was. He was kind of a student entrepreneur and started his own custom home stereo installation company and did very well. And he was generous with what he had. Like Andrea, Sean was a member of the Mormon church and she was instantly drawn to him. Sean was the first guy I dated that could do all those Hollywood romantic gestures and make them seem real, not cheesy. I thought he was the dream man that I'd been looking for. I was very excited for I thought they got along really well. It seemed Sean thought so too. And in the spring of 1989, after six months of dating, he proposed. And Andrea said yes. Three months later, Sean and Andrea were wed at the Mormon temple. Our wedding day was a great day. It was happy. It was full of hope and promise for the future. In April of 1990, the newlyweds packed up and moved to Denver, Colorado, where Sean would pursue a master's degree in business. When we got to Denver, he began his job as an investment banker and realized he didn't need an MBA to do that job. He worked for three months and made $50,000. Pretty soon, other companies were courting Sean and offering him signing bonuses of up to $80,000 to switch firms. I think that he appealed to employers because he was very smart and he was very sure of himself. 
Within a year, Sean was making a lot of money. And he was spending a lot, too. Well, Sean brought expensive tastes to our marriage. I think that in Sean's mind, he had missed out on some things in his childhood, whether it be financial or emotional. And I think it meant a lot to him to be able to finally have those things that he had dreamed of. I figured as long as our basic needs were met and we were, you know, not having priorities that were too worldly or too messed up, then we were doing okay. But 20 years later, Andrea would learn the devastating truth about her husband's real priorities. And this revelation would shatter their picture-perfect family life. On March 18, 2009, Andrea was out running errands when her cell phone rang. It was her husband, Sean. Sean asked me what I was doing, and he said, I was hoping to spend time with you this morning. So I turned the car around and drove home and met him at our house. And when I walked into the room he was in, he was on the phone with someone. So I sat at the table and waited while he finished his conversation. When Sean hung up the phone, he turned to Andrea and revealed a devastating secret he'd been keeping from her for over a decade. I felt like I had been thrust in the biggest, blackest, deepest, darkest hole, and I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. I thought, this can't be really true. This can't be happening to this family. As soon as we heard about it, we knew this was going to be a huge story. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Are you looking for ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative? Gretchen Rubin is the number one best-selling author of The Happiness Project, and every week she shares insights and practical solutions in the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Gretchen's co-host and happiness guinea pig is her sister Elizabeth Kraft, a Hollywood showrunner. Join Gretchen and Elizabeth as they reveal fresh insights from cutting-edge science, ancient wisdom, pop culture, and their own experiences about cultivating happiness and good habits. Every week, they offer a manageable try-this-at-home tip you can use to boost your happiness without spending a lot of time, energy, or money. Suggestions such as follow the one-minute rule, choose a one-word theme for your year, or design your summer. They also feature segments like Know Yourself Better, where they discuss questions like, are you an overbuyer or an underbuyer, a morning person or a night person, abundance lover or simplicity lover? And every episode includes a happiness hack, a quick, easy shortcut to more happiness. Listen and follow Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. In the spring of 1993, 16 years before a devastating secret destroyed her life, Andrea Merriman and her husband Sean were well on their way to building their American dream. 
In April, we had our first child. So we moved to a custom-built home in a neighborhood where all the homes were on one to three acres. So it was kind of a dream come true. Sean's hard work was paying off, and Andrea was enjoying the benefits. As soon as she started having children, she stayed home, and, and that became her career. Andrea initially tried her hand at managing the family finances, but it soon became clear that money was Sean's territory. Sean brought in the money, and Sean paid all of the bills. I didn't know what obligations we had. We decided it just worked better for him to be in charge. Sean took care of most of the finances. I think that's what he did well. He made sure everybody had even more than they wanted. He provided for his kids very well. As the months went by, Sean's career seemed to skyrocket. And in the fall of 1993, he told Andrea about a big business decision he had made. So he told me that he had some clients who had asked him to leave the investment banking business and manage money privately for them. Sean opened his company, Market Street Advisors, in 1994. He built an office in the basement of the family home with a separate entrance he always kept locked. The very nature of Sean's business meant keeping his wife in the dark when it came to his work. We set up some ground rules that the basement was off-limits to my children and I in the day, and that's how he was able to work and run his business. I never knew any specific details as to who his clients were or how much money they had invested. I am a great believer in privacy, and other people's money is not my business. Only once, shortly after starting his business, Sean confided in Andrea about a work-related concern. He had been puzzled and stressed for a few days. I could just tell something was bothering him. He was quiet. I asked him what was wrong, and he just said, oh, it's just something, I'll take care of it. I have a problem at work. I just need to figure out how to solve it. Sean explained to Andrea that the source of his stress was an accounting problem he had been struggling to resolve. And then a few days later, he came to me and said, oh, I'm so relieved. I figured out how to solve my accounting problem. And I thought, okay, everything will be fine. Over the next several years, Sean's income grew as steadily as his family. By 2005, Sean and Andrea were the parents of four children. And Sean had taken on a prestigious role of bishop at their church. When Sean became a bishop for our church, it was a big deal. You're only called to be a bishop if you're a very worthy member. Andrea was proud of her upstanding husband. In fact, the only contention between the two was Sean's increasingly ostentatious spending. Sean enjoyed buying all different kinds of things. Cars had always been a passion. He bought Ferraris, Porsches, all kinds of luxury cars. He bought art. Sean built a building behind our home that was almost 5,000 square feet. It was massive. He had his showroom, and it was a giant room that had all of his animal trophies from around the world, and it had art storage. It had everything, you know, that he could possibly want, and it was more than a man cave. It was his man palace. Andrea had no choice but to accept Sean's expensive hobbies. It never even crossed her mind that behind her husband's insatiable appetite for luxury was a problem much more disturbing than overspending. 
When he started to cry, I realized, oh my gosh, I think this is real. It was like pulling a rug out from under her feet. In the spring of 2005, Andrea Merriman was beginning to feel uncomfortable with her husband Sean's extravagant spending habits, even though Sean could very well afford his expensive tastes. Sean's business was continuing to do very, very well, and many people were approaching him to manage their money. I think he was at the height of his success. And even though Sean didn't discuss business with his wife, Andrea didn't mind giving him his privacy in that respect. My husband had a business, and he dealt in issues that were private and confidential, and he told me it wasn't my business, and I agreed that it wasn't my business, so it didn't bother me at all. But one day, when Andrea picked up Sean's open laptop to check her email, she was taken aback by his reaction. He was very uncomfortable with that, and told me, what are you doing? You shouldn't be on my computer. And I was so surprised that he reacted that way. I just looked at him and said, I cannot believe you. You have so much privacy in your life. You know, you have your own cell phone, you have your own office, you have your own building. You could be living a secret life for all I know. And he looked at me and said, you're right, I'm sorry. From that point on, Sean left his computer out in the open for Andrea to check whenever she wanted. Life for the couple carried on as usual, and Andrea was overjoyed when Sean told her he'd made the final mortgage payment on their house. I know that having her house paid off gave her a sense of security, that she would always have a home for her children. When Sean told me that our home was paid off, I was just happy. I had something that I'd wanted for a long time, and it represented security to me. But by 2008, Andrea was feeling a little less secure in her marriage. Over the years, Sean's passion for material things had begun to overshadow his passion for his family. He spent more and more time away, buying art at auctions in London, and shooting big game on safaris in Africa. He was gone too much. Andrea had no support. I didn't think it was fair for him to go off on those long things by himself, and it was all about him. On top of everything, when Sean was home, he seemed exceptionally cranky. Andrea chalked her husband's moodiness up to an ongoing IRS audit of his finances. At some point, the IRS decided to audit him, and it took all of 2008. And Sean was getting more and more worked up about it and angry about it. But when the audit uncovered nothing unusual, the Merrymans breathed a sigh of relief. Sean seemed to be back to his generous, good-natured self. And on March 13th, he sent Andrea off on a surprise trip to New York City with her girlfriends. He arranged a room for us at an amazing hotel and had a limo pick me up at the airport. And we went to shows and just had a dream vacation. While Andrea was away, she knew her husband Sean had been holed up in his office working his usual long hours. So when she returned home, Andrea was surprised to find their voicemail full of urgent messages. They were all for Sean. Then my cell phone started receiving calls for Sean, which I thought was interesting. And clients were calling saying, 
we're trying to reach Sean, where is he? I really didn't know what was going on. So I just figured maybe he had bitten off more than he could chew and he was a little behind in returning phone calls. Andrea passed the messages on to Sean and went on with her routine. She thought everything was fine until March 18th, 2009. I was headed out to run errands and Sean called me on my cell phone and he said, I was hoping to spend time with you this morning. And I thought, that's kind of odd. It should be a work day, but I figured I'd been out of town. Um, life had been busy and maybe he just needed to talk. So I turned the car around and drove home and met him at our house. And when I walked into the room he was in, he was on the phone with someone, which was not unusual. So I sat at the table and waited while he finished his conversation. So when he got off the phone, he sat down across from me at the table. Andrea was not at all prepared for the words that came out of Sean's mouth next. And he looked at me without emotion and said, my company is a sham. Sean Merriman basically stole $20 million from investors. It's something that you see on TV. It's not something that you live through or watch other people live through. In March of 2009, Andrea Merriman's husband, Sean, sat her down and told her that the business he had been running for 15 years was a fake. He wasn't emotional. He wasn't angry. He didn't look devastated. He just seemed very normal as he sat across the table from me and told me. He said, my company, Market Street Advisors, is a sham. All these years that you thought that I was running an investment company, I've actually been running a Ponzi scheme. I really didn't understand what a Ponzi scheme was. And he told me that he was taking money from investors and then using that to live on as well as pay other investors as they withdrew money. And that in reality, he hadn't bought or sold a stock in many years. Sean told Andrea that he felt so guilty he had decided to turn himself in to authorities. All their possessions would be confiscated and Sean knew he'd be going to prison. And I remember saying, well, at least the house has paid off. And he said, no, you don't understand. Our house is gone, our cars are gone. Everything is gone. You're left with nothing. I'm sorry you're on your own. So I believed all along I was living in a paid-off home, but it wasn't. It was mortgaged. I just didn't know it. She went from having Rembrandt paintings on the wall to wondering how she was going to be able to feed her children dinner. Sean Merriman's downfall quickly became front-page news. Well, when the story broke after he turned himself in, it was a huge story in Denver because of the number of people that were impacted by it and the devastating results it had on so many people's lives. The Bernie Madoff story had been huge news, and so people were getting very familiar with the idea of a Ponzi scheme, but it felt very New York City, I think. And when it happened here in Colorado, it just took on a different meaning because it was happening close to home. As more information leaked out, it became clear that Sean had bilked friends, fellow church members, and even family out of $20 million. I had money with him that my mom had left me, and then it was gone. I felt like it was a betrayal of everything that we ever knew. I felt like we didn't even know him. 
Sean Merriman frauded people out of their life savings, out of their retirement. He told them he was investing money and that their money was growing and he was spending the money instead. As Sean's elaborate web of lies continued to unravel, Andrea realized that she was right when she joked about him living a double life. She discovered the Ponzi scheme was Sean's solution to the minor accounting problem he encountered when he first started his business. Eventually, I thought back to the conversation early in his investment company career when he'd had a problem, and then he had solved it and said, okay, everything's going to be fine. And everything wasn't fine. From that moment on, it was like a bomb in our family, in our life, in our marriage that was ticking away, and I never even knew it was there. Over the next four months, Andrea lived in agonizing limbo as Sean awaited his day in court while still living at their family home. I found out in a moment that I was living with a stranger. He anticipated being taken into custody within six to seven weeks. So I thought I had six to seven weeks to find a job, find a place to live, and try to find a life for my children and I. In July of 2009, Andrea finalized her divorce from Sean, packed up her kids, and moved to Utah where she could start over. Single mom, four children, two dogs, no house, no money, no prospects. I had a lot of misperceptions about me. I felt that I was being judged. And you know, you just come to a point where you have to let it all go. In December of 2009, Andrea watched from afar as Sean pleaded guilty to one count of felony mail fraud. Nine months later, on September 14th, 2010, he was sentenced to 12 and a half years in federal prison. We talked to victims outside the courtroom who really said that no number of years was going to feel right or okay because so many people lost everything they had. Today, Andrea Merriman is remarried and is a busy working mom juggling four children and a public relations job. My life is very, very different now in many ways than it was when I was married to Sean. It's very, very different in the material aspect of things. Andrea always knew that money isn't everything, and now she is happily living her dream without it. We live in a small house. We drive old used cars. We don't go out to eat. We don't go out to movies. I mean, I don't have extras for anything, but it is a life that is equally as satisfying and equally as fulfilling. Nickelodeon was kid everything, but that marked one of the darkest chapters. Three predators worked at Nickelodeon. It made me wonder who was being hurt. Quiet on set, an ID true crime event, Sunday, March 17th at 9, on ID and stream on Max.